Hey there, literary fans. Welcome to Jeff Reads His Book. I'm your host, Jeff, and today we're going to be starting our adventure into a world of literary magic and intrigue. Um, a little bit about this podcast, since it's the first episode, uh, I am Jeff, uh, aka Jeffrey B. Armstrong, and I wrote a book in just one month, and today we're going to start reading this chapter by chapter in this podcast, complete with all the terrible, terrible authorship you'd expect from a book written in a month. Now, why in God's name would I have written a book in a month? And why would I have published said book? I think that's the best question here. Um, I actually participated in something called National Novel Writing Month in 2011. I thought it sounded interesting. And so exactly three days before said month, that was actually November of 2011, I decided I was going to write a complete novel, start to finish, NaNoWriMo, that's how National Novel Writer Month is actually abbreviated, um, requires you to write 50,000 words in one month. So you can imagine the story quality we're going to get out of a book that I had actually less than three days to prepare for. I only decided that I'd write it three days beforehand. And to be honest, I didn't actually prepare for anything other than maybe get the computer I'd be typing on out of storage. So, uh, we're going to start reading this book uh, one chapter at a time over the course of this podcast. Now, you might be wondering what kind of quality book do you get out of a one-month competition to write an entire novel. And I could tell you that this book is just simply riddled with typos. I'm talking sentence fragments, spelling errors, hilarious spelling errors. The whole book was run through a spell checker, of course. But I think the real problem comes when you find portions that are actually valid words. Uh, I think my wife actually pointed out that I misspelled waste, as in the waste of a person, you know, around a person. I misspelled that as waste, as in garbage, I think every time it appears in the book. And it appears a surprisingly large number of times in this book. So... A little bit about the book. Uh, The book is entitled Bringing Balance. Now, if you visit our website at jeffreadshisbook.com, there's an actual link to Amazon where you can purchase this book. And while you can get an e-book, I think the most fantastic thing is that you can get a print copy of this book. How in God's name can you get a print copy? Why would I have print copies of this book? Well, That actually occurred because if you finished your novel in 2011, one of the prizes was you could get free copies of your printed book from a company called CreateSpace, now a division of Amazon, like everything in the world. And I saw that and I was like, well, that would be pretty rad if I could actually get printed copies of this terrible book. So... I waited, of course, until the last minute when I could actually cash in the prize. The prize gave me six months to edit my book and then submit it to CreateSpace for the five free published copies. I think maybe a week and a half before that deadline, I said, holy crap, I got to get this book published. So 
Of course, what I did was edit it myself. Right? We all know how well that works. I read through the book. I fixed spelling errors and sentence fragments. And I thought the resulting text had to be just fantastic. Well, again, it's me reading what I think I wrote. So it's going to be terrible still. So the actual published copy, this published book, in paper is just awful. How many copies have I sold? Well, I got my free five copies. And I think the best part about the original five copies was I created a cover with my fantastic, uh, what do you want to call it, graphics designer background, which is actually non-existent. And I said, let me, uh, you know, every book is going to have a summary on it on the back cover, right? Every paperback tells you what it's about. Well, of course, these five copies I I got back had a typo on the back cover in just the summary, for God's sakes. This is the amount of care I put into getting these published copies. Now, in fairness, like I said, I only had a week and a half to get this done, but maybe I could have been a little bit more careful, but I wasn't. So that's where we stand. So all told, there have only ever been six published copies of this book. The five that I ordered... And one person, a friend online, actually bought a copy of this book, Sight Unseen. As soon as he heard I wrote one, he ordered it. And it was ridiculous. He actually enjoyed it. There is a positive review of this book on Amazon from him. I did not ask him to do that. He just did it. So please don't hold that against me. Uh, this book is just stunning. And today, I think uh, we're going to just start by reading... What the preface? Uh, I believe if you get the ebook, though, there's no preface. It starts on chapter one. So if you actually buy this book, which is cuckoo, but you can, um, you might have to add a chapter to what chapter we're on. Uh, again, you can buy a print copy or ebook copy of Bringing Balance by Jeffrey B. Armstrong at from our website. That'll have the links to the Amazon entries. And that website, again, is jeffreadshisbook.com. Uh, I don't actually have an email set up, but I really do want to hear from listeners. Uh, there's some contact information on the website. Uh, you can get a hold of me on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Fortran Jeff. Um, you can get a hold of me on Mastodon if you use that, if you're a real nerd like me. But anyway, uh, my Mastodon is jba at mastodon.sdf.org. So... We are going to get into this adventure. Now, this book is, as I said, it's a fantasy book. Um, it is an original story. I don't think I really based it on much of anything. I would say, basically, you're moving from a land of, like, modern day into a world of magic. Okay? They, it, they go through a portal, and they're in a world of magic. Okay? So, maybe you could say there's some influence... I would say mostly from, if you've ever heard of the game, uh, The Longest Journey. It was a computer game from a while back. They had a sequel called Dreamfall, which is basically the same idea. Maybe that has a little bit bearing on this, but uh, this story just has nothing to do with it. Okay, this is completely original wackiness that came out of my mind all in a month. I spat it onto a keyboard, and this is what you get. Um, so... Why don't we start just by uh, looking at the book here. Uh, if we read the back cover, as I said, my back covers all have uh, typos. Uh, 
So let's start with this. A confused teenager and a reluctant magician searching for answers in Magical World. Yeah, that's right. No article in front of Magical World. Aaron received a baffling letter from a missing aunt asking her to journey to the world of magic with the help of a stranger. Pursued for unknown reasons, Erin and her new companion, Henry, travel to a land ruled by magic and devoid of modern technology. In a quest to discover the reasons behind her charge, the pair encounter both friendly and hostile wizards, threatening soldiers, sympathetic townsfolk, and Henry's belligerent ex-girlfriend. Can Erin escape her pursuers and solve the mystery of her aunt's request? I will point out there's a lot of missing spaces in the description. I think there's some actually additional spaces added in a few spots. This is just terrible, okay? I can't justify what's going on here. But, you know, I threw this cover together faster than I threw the book together. It's pretty terrible. Um, I don't think you get to read it, though, if you get the ebook. So I would strongly suggest getting the paper copy. Anywho, the book itself, uh, it looks like it's, let's see here, how many chapters? Well, there's an epilogue, that's great. 20 chapters, okay? My plan is to just go through one chapter a week, and we're going to try to finish this book. I am going to start with the prologue and chapter one today, mostly because the prologue is, I don't know, two-thirds of a page, um, and it's not labeled that. And like I said, if you have the ebook, I think it's chapter one. Who knows how to create ebooks properly, all right? Of course, I didn't write this in Microsoft Word, so of course, it was a pain in the ass to try to get it into Amazon's stupid Kindle format. So, uh, that's going to be basically the format. After we read each section, uh, my thinking was we could actually go through, let's say, some discussion questions, and maybe talk about what actually occurred in this chapter. Uh, if the recording quality is terrible, well, you know what? This is my first podcast, so we're just going to have to see how this goes, okay? So let's start diving into this book. Uh, so when you open the book, we have the title page, Bringing Balance, Jeffrey B. Armstrong. Very exciting. There's nothing else on it. I didn't do illustrations, if you couldn't guess. Uh, the page after that, I tried to make a copyright page. They always seem needlessly long. Uh, this one just says, Bringing Balance, Copyright 2012, Jeffrey B. Armstrong, All Rights Reserved. First edition. Hmm, as if there were going to be some new editions of this. Probably not. And then we have the ISBN numbers. I don't actually know what those mean, but I'm supposed to have them. All the books I looked at when I was making this did actually have their ISBN numbers on the title page. So let's get started. We're going to dive in now to the, the preface that is just labeled three years ago. If you're following along in an ebook, this is chapter one. If you're using a print book, it isn't chapter one. I'm going to stick with the print book chapter uh, designations. Like I said, the preface is chapter one in the ebook. Just figure it out on your own, I guess. I'd like anybody's going to buy the ebook. I, um, this is ridiculous. Anyway, let's get started. Three years ago. I want you to keep this for me, Erin. Are you sure, Aunt June? It's so beautiful, the young teenager exclaimed. Her eyes remained locked on the brilliant stone hanging in a pendant from a gold necklace. 
I just want to stop for a second and point out I'm not doing voices. Uh, I listen to a podcast, Dune Reads Goosebumps, that seems to come out every now and then, and he does do voices sometimes, and I don't know how he does it. And he doesn't seem to remember what the voices are supposed to sound like. We're just not going to do it. It's that simple. Okay? Anyway, we've just met, what, Aaron and Aunt June. So, Alright, continuing. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <clears throat> are you sure, Aunt June? It's so beautiful, the young teenager exclaimed. Her eyes remained locked on the brilliant stone hanging in a pendant from the gold necklace. Just for a bit, sweetie. I can't keep it for the time being, so I need someone who I trust to keep it close. Erin looked at her aunt, realizing for the first time that she seemed to be out of sorts. Is everything all right? Erin asked. You look different today, like you're worried, and your outfit, outfit is so normal. June forced a smile at her only niece. I'm fine, but I'll be going away for quite some time. I don't know when I'll be back, but I know you'll keep my necklace safe. I don't like that sentence, that lead in there. Erin <sighs> rolled the pendant in her fingers. Going away? Yes, for a bit. Don't tell your mother, though. There's no need for her to be concerned, too. I'll write as soon as I can. Keep the necklace with you always, dear, and I'll be close by, too. With that final statement, Aaron's favorite aunt turned and walked away down the street, leaving the teenager standing on the sidewalk, confused and saddened. All right, so that was the preface to Bringing Balance. Um, so we've met Aaron in June at this point. Uh, not a lot of character development here. Uh, apparently this aunt likes to meet with her niece on the sidewalk for whatever reason. Uh, that seems a little strange. Usually I'd invite my aunt into my house, but so be it. Um, what else did we get out of this? So Erin apparently got a necklace from Aunt June that she's supposed to keep with her. Pretty exciting so far. I know what I'm in, I'm just so into this. So we're going to move on to chapter one. Uh, the preface was like, I don't know, two thirds of a page. It looks like chapter one is going to be four pages long. So there's not too much more to sit through. Uh, before we get started, I do want to keep a tradition that Dune Reads Goosebumps has, and that is, of course, to announce what I'm drinking. So while I do this podcast, I probably will be drinking just to make this go a little smoother, and this book is terrible, so I'm going to need a break here. Uh, so today I'm drinking a little Jim Beam on the rocks while I read this. Uh, it is afternoon on a Sunday. Only by 45 minutes, but still, it is afternoon, so I think I'm allowed to drink, right? And uh, another thing that we do that I've seen on Dude Reads Goosebumps is that he does uh, have drinking breaks in the book. So, you know, when you get that big space in a chapter, you know, the bigger ones between uh, paragraphs, I'll try to point those out as we go as well. So, let's hang on for this exciting adventure, right? Okay. Here we go, chapter one. Aaron stirred from an in an un, un all right, let's start chapter one again. Aaron stirred from an uneasy sleep to the sound of another peppy pop song. Reaching around to the nightstand, she wrested the phone free from its dock to stop the noise. I don't know if that works. Anyway. Her senior year at high school had only started three weeks ago, but she had already grown sick of the early mornings. 
She sat up and glanced back at her bed. Sheets lay in clumps around the bed, evidence of her messy slumber. For about the last month, her dreams had become more vivid, but they seemed to be darkening in nature as well. Out of habit, her right hand reached for the pendant around her neck, rolling the large crystal in her fingers. Once again, the stone felt almost hot. Eventually, Erin made it out to the kitchen, grabbing her backpack and filling it with the two textbooks she had bothered to take home yesterday. She had at least finished her English homework, and she knew she could at least throw together something for her other subjects once she got to school. Ugh, why does it say at least twice in the same sentence? My God. I don't know if you noticed, I said bed in the same sentence twice, too. This is... Was it bed in the same... No, it's just in rapid succession. Not the best author. All right. <clears throat> I can't wait for June. I'm so done with this shit, Erin mumbled to herself. Why don't we pause here? This sentence is interesting. Are we talking about the month of June, so school ends? Or her aunt, huh? Is that foreshadowing? I'm guessing it wasn't foreshadowing. And by the time I had written this, I had already forgotten the name of her aunt. So... Her mother stood in the kitchen, writing out a check for one of the bills in the pile. You want breakfast, hun? She asked without looking up. No, I have a protein bar. I'll stop for coffee on the way, Erin replied. She swung the backpack over her right shoulder and headed for the door. Do kids still wear the backpack on one shoulder? I did, but I'm a child. What? I'm a high school student from the 90s, so eh, I don't know if they still do that. I probably should know, but I don't. I don't think they do. Oh, wait. Sorry. Oh, there's a letter for you, her mother said, blocking her way with a white envelope held out without looking away from the bill. Erin looked curiously at the letter for a few seconds before taking it from her mother's outstretched arm. Her mother finally looked at her and shook it, and Erin obliged, taking the envelope. The address on the front was written in ornate cursive, and no return address was present. She tore open the envelope. She tore open the the envelope, finding a handwritten letter inside. She quickly scanned the letter, looking for the sender's name. Her eyes grew wide as she saw her Aunt June's signature. Returning to the top of the letter, she started reading. Dearest Erin, I regret having not written earlier, but I have been in hiding for quite some time. I cannot see you in person, but I must ask a great favor of you. I know that you've always loved my, quote, crazy outfits and, quote, odd stories. The outfits, though, were the uniform of my vocation, and the stories were mostly true. While you were growing up, I lived in the world of magic, this capital world, capital magic, where I was charged with protecting the very stone around your neck. Dark times came to that world years ago, and I was sent here to hide the stone. The stone must be returned to the world of magic, for it is the only defense against the dark forces that threaten that world. That's a lowercase world. I would return the pendant myself, but I believe I have been found out. You must return it yourself. I have sent help to you along with this letter. Please be safe, Aaron. You are doing both word worlds a great service with your actions. With you always, Aunt June. Wow, that was a touching letter. 
At this time, Erin's mother had taken notice of her daughter's frozen countenance. What's in the letter, she asked in an accusatory tone. <clears throat> What's in the letter, she asked in an accusatory tone. It's from Aunt June, she said as she tried to refold the confusing document. June, her mother gasped as she grabbed it away. What the hell, Erin exclaimed as her mother turned from her to read the letter. A few seconds later, she crumpled the letter and stuffed it in her pocket. All right, I think the she crumpled the letter was uh, her mother, I think. Okay. There'll be none of June's nonsense. Do you understand? Maybe you should finally take off that gaudy... Maybe you should finally take that gaudy necklace off, too, her mother said, clearly annoyed. That letter was for me, Aaron yelled. Go to school. I don't want to hear about this letter again, Aaron's mother yelled back. Erin stormed out the back door to her aging sedan parked in the driveway. She tossed her underfilled backpack into the passenger seat. As she placed her left hand on the steering wheel and inserted the key, she noticed the envelope was still clasped between her fingers. She held up she held the envelope up to her eyes. It wasn't empty. Ooh. Drinking break. Yes. Mm. I'm going to have to pause in a moment because this glass is awfully uh, low. I've been trying to get a theme song for this podcast written too, and that has proven to take quite a bit of time. So, uh, that's all. That's a lot of dorky stuff. I can't write music, obviously. So, I was trying out some software that kind of randomly generates music and play with it, but it's been a real bear to get to run on anything. Anyway. All right, here we go. Let's go. After a drinking break. By the time her third class of the day started, Erin was entirely zoned out. She seems like a real good student, don't you think? Reaching into her pocket, she pulled out the mysterious business card she had found in her aunt's envelope. Yep, that's right, folks. That's the mysterious item in the envelope. A business card. The company was one she had never heard of. Alewife Solutions. The name on the card was <clears throat> Henry McCallum, database specialist, with an email address and phone number. On the back was another handwritten phone number. Was this the help her aunt had promised? Erin, the teacher shouted, form the front of the room. How do we solve this equation? Erin glanced at an equation displayed on a screen at the front of the classroom. Um... I don't really know, she responded, quickly placing the card in her pocket. Perhaps you can think about it after school today, the annoyed man said. See me after school. <sighs> yeah, we get it. Erin threw herself back in her chair with a sigh. The prospect of another late school day did not excite her. Another drinking break. After last period, Erin waved goodbye to some friends and headed back towards her math classroom. As she rounded the corner to the mathematics wing, she saw two men in suits enter a classroom. Walking closer, she realized the men had entered her math class. The possibility of a canceled detention made her smile. She, clept, bleh, she crept closer to the door to eavesdrop. Dot, dot, I suppose. Yeah, I think that was supposed to be an ellipse. All right. 
So we'll have like a psi here for the dot, the two dots. Maybe it should be a very abbreviated psi instead of like a full one. <sighs> I suppose. How long do you need her for? Because she still needs to come back for my detention, the teacher asked. Oh, we'll only need her for a moment, an unfamiliar voice said. What did Erin do now? Her teacher laughed. What did Erin do now? Ha! Her teacher laughed. There we go. It's better. Erin missed the remainder of the conversation as she sprinted down the hallway away from her classroom. She would not be attending today's detention. And now we're at the end of chapter one. How exciting was that? We're on page four of 170. So we've got a long way to go on this journey, right? All right. So it looks like we reached the end of chapter one. Um, if you haven't been able to tell, I think the first intro and then between the first intro and the ch actually reading the book and then between actually reading the book and this segment, I've actually taken breaks. I mean, this book is tough to read. Oof. So I thought as just a closing uh, feature, I thought we could do some discussion questions on this fine piece of literature. Um, okay. I think this, you know, I'd love to hear from listeners. If you want to write in, tell me your answers to the discussion questions or just write to my Twitter account. Um, as I said before, uh, on our website, jeffreadshisbook.com, you can find uh, links for contact info. I'm Fortran Jeff on Twitter. I'm JBA at mastodon.sdf.org on the uh, Mastodon network or the Fediverse, whatever you want to call it. And uh, if you want to email me, let's just go ahead and use jba at sdf.org, right? JBA, as in Jeffrey B. Armstrong, the uh, great author of this fine piece of literature. So I'd love to hear some answers to these uh, discussion questions. So let's, uh, let's go through them. The first was actually brought up by somebody who read the first four pages very quickly. So, number one, Erin's mom took quote, the letter from her, right? But then later in that same chapter, she had the envelope still. So did she only have the envelope? Did she have the letter? I think that was a little confusing. So uh, the question, I guess, is what the fuck? Does Erin actually have the letter or the envelope? It was a little ambiguous, too. Why don't we actually look at that section? What did we say here? Chapter 1. Uh, what the hell? Erin exclaimed as her mother turned from her to read the letter. A few seconds later, she crumpled the letter and stuffed it in her pocket. So, I think when I wrote it, I was thinking mom, or mom took the letter, but perhaps not. Maybe Erin still has it. I guess the letter and the envelope, I don't know. Are they different? I think so. I think they're different. What do you think? Okay. Uh, discussion question number two, huh? All right, this one is good. How ugly is this pendant? So it's a pendant with some sort of crystal that uh, is the only defense against the dark forces that threaten the world, right? Uh, I would assume that it's atrocious. Uh, you know, you would picture it as being kind of large. So she probably looks like, I don't know, some sort of hippie with this giant crystal hanging around her neck. That's my guess. And uh, who knows? If we're coming from a world of magic, it's all probably yellow gold and gaudy. Yeah. They probably don't have the craftsmanship ability to make, like, a nice fine gold chain. 
Eh, but you never know. You never know. All right. Number three, who's looking for Aaron? Oh, I can't answer this one because I know the answer since I wrote this nonsense. But uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts if anybody knows who is actually looking for Aaron. So that is the entirety of chapter one, or our first episode, chapter one and the preface. If you're following along in the ebook, which at this point I'm guessing nobody is, then you'll notice that chapter one was the preface, and we just read chapter two as well. So um, I'm going to try to keep doing this podcast on a weekly basis. We have a couple chapters to go through here. Let's see. The book is how many chapters? 20 plus an epilogue. Um, so that'll give us 20 weeks of podcasts. I don't know how people will receive this. I don't know that single-person podcasts do particularly well. But you know what? It's not really about doing well. Uh, you're not going to hear any advertising on this podcast except for this nonsensical book. And if you're really interested in buying this book and following along with us, remember to go to jeffreadshisbook.com and give it a look. Uh, it's available on Amazon. I'm going to try to put it on maybe Barnes & Noble Nook. There's another platform for ebooks. I can't remember the name of it, but whatever it is. I mean, Amazon just sucks so bad that I don't want it to just be available on there. But I, I'm, I'm saying all this like somebody's going to buy the book. As I said, it's been sold once, and that book got ruined because it was left out in the rain. Eh. Uh, maybe going forward on this podcast, uh, I can foresee maybe a few special guest episodes. Uh, there are two people that I'm personally, you know, uh, in contact with who have read the book, and uh, they might be willing to come on. Uh, it's a friend is one of them, and my wife is the other. She might be willing to come on and spend an episode with us, so we'll have to see. Anyway, that ends the podcast, and... I hope everybody enjoyed the first chapter of Bringing Balance, and we'll be back next week with exciting chapter two to follow Erin on her adventures with this mysterious pendant. Anyway, people, take care and keep on reading.